one difference between a spiritual path and a religious path is that the religion tells you what is truth, what you should believe. And the function of the spiritual path is to enable you to reach a stage beyond all beliefs. But what we are all here to discover for ourselves, not through hearsay, not through the testimony even of great sages, is what is real. Who am I really? What am I? What is this world? Is there a God? Is there a purpose? Is there a meaning? What do I want to achieve during this short time that I have between birth and death? These are questions that each of us must answer in our own hearts. And while it is useful to hear the wisdom of those who have gone very deeply into reality for themselves and whose words may be inspiring for you, we must go beyond even the great Mahavakyas of the great sages and enter into our own innermost heart. But to help us to do this journey, because there are so many resistances, it is useful to have at least a preliminary map and a process. And this is what the traditional mythologies were all about. And one of the most important points of all of the mythologies is that the birth of an avatar, a savior, son of God, is always accompanied by a massive attack by demonic forces. You remember in the myth of the birth of Jesus when Herod is going to kill all of the newborn children to make sure that Jesus doesn't survive. And there are attacks in the same way the birth of Krishna and many other avatars. So what does this mean? It means that as you approach your own rebirth, your own self-realization, there will be great inner resistance. Superego attacks upon you, sense of unworthiness, doubt that the journey is real, the end is real, the time you're spending meditating is worth it, all of these kinds of things will reach huge levels of intensity, negative emotions. 
And because of this, it is important to have the support of a community so that these emotions do not succeed in tearing you down, undermining your faith. and bringing you back into the zombie box of so-called normal life in which no one asks these questions. You just drink another beer and watch the next football game and forget about it all. That's what you're supposed to do. And so we're going against the grain, we're disobeying the collective other, and we're entering a sphere, an arena of great danger the deeper we go into individuation, the more separate we become from the family system and the roles we're supposed to play in society and believing in all of the myths, the more dangerous it becomes, the more alone we are, the more we face the ultimate terrors and anxieties that are embedded at the root of the soul. And this is why this is called the hero's journey. And so it is useful <clears throat> to know that there are heroes who have gone before you, who have made the journey successfully, and what they have learned on the journey. And we can get great benefit by coming to understand those different phases of the journey, so that we know where we are, more or less, in our own inner labyrinth. But nonetheless, we have to kill our own demons. You can't do that through a book, or through seeing a movie, or reading mythology, or doing any other kind of work that is not the real thing. One has to earn liberation. And that's why in the beginning, it is very useful to have a belief in God, a faith in God, let's put it that way, even stronger, because one needs to have an ally, and you need the most powerful ally possible, a God of love and power. And even though from the ultimate perspective, we can say that is a psychological projection and not an ontological reality, Nonetheless, until that projection can be reclaimed, it is as close to reality as one can come. And that's why atheists have a very hard time on this journey. Because they cannot see the sacredness of the world, or even that there is a higher meaning to try to achieve, and let alone that there is help when dealing with the emotional, demonic powers that will arise. And so in the beginning, it's very important. But we must always also, if we are going to be successful on this path, recognize the difference between a psychological reality and an ontological reality. This brings us back to the discussion we had at the initiates class on Monday about the incident, the famous incident, where Ramana's mother comes to drag him back home off of the mountain. And at first he is silent, he doesn't respond to her. He expresses himself very deeply, but she doesn't get it. She can't receive the 
communication in such a subtle form. And so he has to condescend to use words, and his words are the ordainer has ordained that this is what is to be, and whatever is ordained by the ordainer is going to happen, and nothing else can happen. Now ontologically we can say that from the perspective of the absolute, there is no ordainer. But not because there is no God, but because all there is is God. And that the world is a projection. The ego living in the world is a projection. Those are the unrealities. And so there is really nothing for the ordainer to ordain. And so in that sense there is no ordainer. But not that there is simply a meaningless materialist universe. So let's understand this. That Ramana entered into the field of duality for the sake of his mother so she would understand reality as accurately as she could from the assemblage point at which she was perceiving reality. And a sacred attitude is imperative at that level. So long as there is any trace of ego left, that ego must be surrendered to whatever is one's concept of the Supreme Being until one discovers for oneself in the depths of one's silence what is the true nature of the real. And one must persist in that internal journey of inquiry and exploration and realization until one reaches the end. The goal in alchemy, the philosopher's stone. And that can only be achieved through the transformation of the ego so that it lets go of its resistances and allows you to reach that ultimate state of consciousness. Because until then you cannot realize that what Ramana is saying is true. And that Ramana's silence is even truer. In the Zen tradition there is this parable of First, there are mountains and rivers, and then you're on the Zen path, and you realize, no, there's no mountains and rivers, and then finally, in the end, yes, there are mountains and rivers again. Well, what does this really mean? Before you start thinking about reality in a complex, scientific, as well as archetypal way, you're in a state of what the philosophers call naive realism. What you see is what you get. You take the world as some external reality independent of consciousness. But then you begin to study. And whether you're studying Zen or Jungian psychology or quantum physics, it doesn't matter. You begin to realize that what reality appears like to your senses is not the truth. And once you've exploded the naive paradigm of reality, then everything is up for grabs. And you can begin to recognize that all that you thought and believed is a fiction, a myth. And that's when life begins, the thrill of life, of recognizing that you're in the unknown, you're in the great mystery. What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to buy into someone else's second-hand beliefs? Are you going to go into denial? Most people do. Are you going to become an over-analytic 
uh, Jungian believer or Freudian believer or Lacanian believer or a quantum <coughs> physics believer or whatever? Or are you going to take the journey all the way to the end? That's the question you have to decide. Are you willing to take the journey? Is the gift of life worth it? Or are you just going to squander it and not bother to know what this life really is all about? What are you going to do with this gift of life? Is it even recognized as a gift? But are you going to open the gift and discover what's really inside of it? Because it's very easy to live a superficial life. And to live for other people and think you're doing something good by being a martyr, a good mother, a good child, a good whatever, good career worker in some field that seems altruistic, but living still on the edge, on the outer crust of your being and never discovering the core of consciousness. And thus never knowing what the world really is. Or do you want to know the ultimate truth? You have to decide that. And when you decide that, you'll also realize there are no shortcuts. Not even psychedelic drugs or anything else will take you to that real core. You have to do it through your own effort of transcending the mind. Are you willing? to enter so deeply into the silence that you recognize the very source of being and become one with that again. And when this is recognized as the only thing that is important in life, that you can't live without discovering the truth of being. And that you must be liberated from the illusions and the identifications with the body and with the mind. And to free yourself from suffering, from all the cravings, addictions, fears, anxieties that the ego is plagued by and you know that the only way out is to go in to the very center of your being and from that nucleus you have the power to bring rebirth from the source into life and so that's why the last stage, whether of Zen or of alchemy or any other path, is not just, well, there are no mountains and rivers anymore. Now there are again. But these mountains and rivers and people and situations now are understood differently. And they are within a framework of non-duality. All is the self. And everything is of infinite meaning and infinite preciousness. Infinite symbolic significance and infinite joy. So let's live in that world, the world of the ultimate real, 
We're not running away from the world. We're entering the world, but you have to enter the world with knowledge, not with ignorance. Not with a toy mind, but with a mind that is absolutely refined and developed to its ultimate potential. And with all of the capacities of feeling and intuition and sense and love, open. Are you willing to live in a state of love as well as a state of knowledge? And when you've answered all of those questions in the affirmative, when there are no more resistances, when all of the demons have been silenced and dissolved, the doors will open and this path will be very easy very beautiful. You'll be welcomed by a chorus of angels into the heart of the kingdom of heaven that is within you.